Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I am just so honored and delighted that you've joined me in my kitchen today, and you are tuning in on a really fun show today. We are featuring two great women in the culinary field, and we are going to talk donuts, strawberries, and all sorts of fun topics today, and I hope that you'll kind of walk away with a a fun understanding of what's happening in the culinary industry and the food world right now, along with some great takeaways of recipes that you can try that will give you more confidence in the kitchen. Because as we all know, yes, I am on a culinary quest. I am still the world's worst cook, but I am so eager to learn and eager to, to get more confident in the kitchen. So thank you for joining me on this journey. And, you know, as for full disclosure, I'm always sharing with you my Lucille Ball moments here in my kitchen. And this morning was one of them. So as we are talking, I am holding in my right hand an ice pack because I've learned that, okay, when your coffee goes a little cool, you know, you have to be careful in which mug you microwave it to warm it up. So I learned the hard way by grabbing my microwaved uh, ceramic coffee mug that, yes, you can get burned <laughs> even by coffee. So, <laughs> But that's okay. That's part of the journey. So welcome, listeners, and a very special welcome to our first guest. I can't wait for you to meet Stephanie Rosenbaum. She is based in San Francisco, a culinary giant in writing and, and cookbooks, and, and she actually is even an organic agriculture expert. And, and and just her her credentials are are just astounding, and I, I'm just so excited that she's here today to share with us about her new book, uh, The World of Donuts, and and I can't wait. It just sounds like a very sweet topic. So, without further ado, Stephanie, welcome to Kitchen Chat. Thank you so much, Margaret. I'm so happy to be on your show. Oh, this is great to have you. And, you know, I'm, I'm just so excited as today, actually um, June 7th is the date we're recording this, and I know it's not going to air until um, next week, but today is the National, National Donut, Donut Day. Day. Yes, so happy National Donut Day, and I can't think of a better way to celebrate than to, to chat with you about donuts. And I was just so fascinated to learn that um, the Salvation 
Salvation Army established this National Donut Day holiday in 1938 as a way to raise funds um, during the Great Depression and honor the female volunteers, I guess they called them lassies, <laughs> who supported mm-hmm. the soldiers on the front lines during World War One. And, and I read that 250 women provided um, on-site uh, help and assistance uh, with the food uh, to American soldiers in France in 1917. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, so, they did that. Yeah, you know, if you think if you think about, it, you think it's hard to make, you know, donuts to fry something in your own kitchen. You think, oh, I can't deep fry at home. Well, you know, these were women in the front lines, in tents, you know, in near out, you know, near the trenches and making donuts. And I've read some first-hand accounts of what they were going through. And they said, you know, yeah, it was really hard because we just, you know, we, we were making them all day long because we couldn't stop. You have a, a soldier coming up and wanting something hot, something, a taste of home. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say, no, I'm tired. I'm, you know, I'm sick of crying. <laughs> and you can only imagine the, the, um, the really rudimentary equipment that they were, that they were working with, you know, if they were lucky to have a dented pot um, wow. and a spoon. So, um, exactly. so I, yeah, so yeah, so definitely really, they did they did wonderful work. Yes, and I just think that is great. And and I I I wonder why it was and and still is today that people love donuts. It's my goodness, I didn't realize it was feeding the army, and and now it's uh, no. <laughs> feeding us. So, what do you think um, this obsession is with donuts? Why do you think they've become no. so popular? Well, I think I know. Some people are like, are they the new cupcake? Are they the new cookie? You know, but I really think everyone has a, a nostalgic kind of childhood association with the donut. You know, you, your, your mom, your grandma, your dad, you know, somebody in your life, you know, took you to that donut shop. I think whether you live in a big city, you live in a small town, it's always that cool little corner donut shop. You get to pick your own, you know, you don't have, it's not the thing that you're, that you have to, you get to say, I really like the pink one with the sprinkles, or I really like that coconut one, or, you know, maybe you have a, a weird donut that you like that no one in your family likes. Well, it doesn't matter. You get to have your own donut. Um, so I think that's always fun. You know, you get to pick it out yourself. You get to eat it. You don't have to share it with your sister, you know. <laughs> so I think, I think yeah, and it's usually a treat. You know, you stop there on the way home from something. Your mom gets them for you in the morning, you know. Like, it's, it's, they're kind of a treat, but they're not a huge treat. It's not like the birthday right. cake you only have once a year or the really fancy pastry or something. You know, it's, it's always donut time. Donuts are inexpensive. They're readily available. So I think everyone has a kind of friendly association with the donut. You know, it's now as an adult, it gets you through those really boring meetings at work. Right. But, um, and I think, but I think also, of course, because of that, people have then started to dress them up. I know, especially, and definitely, I'm sure, um, in Chicago, and I know out here, yeah. people have started making these kind of artisanal donuts, you know, that are $3 each and, you know, filled with plum and cardamom or maple bacon. We're big on the maple bacon out here, you know, yeah. things like that. So people are taking their food skills and saying, hey, I love donuts, but I don't want it to just be this sort of junky, super sugary donut, you know, right. that you get at the supermarket. I why not take a donut and make it really good or make it interesting or, you know, cover it in Fruit Loops or, you know, exactly. things people have been doing. 
Right, and you're right. Here in Chicago, there has been quite a growth in the um, the trend with donuts. I know glazed and infused is, is a local mm-hmm. uh, hangout, and you you would see oh, lines. That's crazy. Yes, <laughs> that's, oh, lines around that. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> another a thing I was reading too, and and I can't wait to jump into your your book about donuts, and we're going to travel yeah. the world <laughs> around that. But I also um, read that there is a new kind of donut trend called cronuts. Oh, the cronuts. Yeah, yeah, half croissant and uh, half donut, and it's kind of a hybrid, and it's taking New right. York and the pastry world by, by storm. storm. Yes. <laughs> I just yeah, I just heard about the cronut. We, we the cronut has not has not hit the West Coast yet. We're we're still all about the uh, the Queen Amman, which is this um, North pastry from northern France. It's basically a croissant dough that's then covered in extra more salted butter and more sugar, and it's really really crunchy and it's almost like a cross between a croissant and a, a palmier, those elephant ear cookies. So yeah. it's really crunchy, and that's and that's kind of our trendy pastry at the moment, but. I guess any minute now, someone's going to start making a, a cronut. But this, yeah, there's a bakery in, in in New York that started making these, and they said that they they took them. We said it wasn't just a matter of taking some croissant dough and you know throwing it in the deep fryer. He had to really work it to get it right. And so yeah, people are are mad for it because everybody because it's you want it to be um, sweeter and more fatty and you know right. I don't know. I it would never have occurred to me to look at a croissant and say. That would be so much better if it were deep fried, but yeah, I'm so I know. <laughs> oh, but there's so much creativity in the culinary field for sure. Well, no, definitely. And I think it goes, yeah, hand in hand with you sort of have your childhood nostalgia and then you get to have your grown up flavor, you know, yeah. profile or your grown up flavor palette too. Exactly. And, you know, even a fancy, even a really fancy donut, um, maybe it's two or three dollars, which, you know, can seem ridiculous if you're used to paying 50 cents for donut, but at the same time, you know, people pay that for a, a, a coffee, you know, so it's, right. it's right. not that huge an indulgence, you know, if you, if you want it every so often, you know, you can usually come up with, you know, three bucks for, for a, a fabulous maple bacon donut or something like that. Exactly. And speaking of donuts, I can't wait for us to travel around the world. In your book, um, it's called World of Donuts. You have more than 50 delicious recipes of donuts around the globe. And you know what, I didn't realize that, of course, I I'm thinking of beignets and, and all of that, but mm-hmm. I did not realize that there is some kind of, of donut across the globe. But that, that seems to be um, a common denomination in, in a lot of Yeah, that was yeah. something I realized as I started researching this. You know, when I was just looking at, at sweet, you know, sweet donuts, because I figured if I opened it up to savory fried things, well, then, you know, it would be this giant encyclopedia. But, right. um, but just even just looking at, at what we would, what you could look at sort of recognize as something donut-like, yeah, every every culture, every cuisine that I that I looked into really had some sort of sweet, sweet-flavored dough, um, you know, whether it was fried and soaked in a syrup or rolled in, you know, a, a flavored sugar or filled or, you know, all kinds of things. So, yeah, donuts, donuts are, I found donuts are really universal. And every and, culture kind of has their type of donut. Yes. And what were some of the most surprising ones um, that you discovered along the way? Oh, so, yeah, there were lots of really, of really interesting ones. What's funny is that the, the classic American donut with the hole, you know, the round, yeah. the round with the hole, that is a really American thing. Um, that that doesn't show up in pretty much other cultures at all. Um, huh. Even though it, it 
yeah, so everyone else pretty much has round donuts, square donuts, you know, kind of free-form things, but the, the donut with the hole is pretty much just, just, an, or just, just an American kind of invention. Wow, I um, wonder that, who invented that. Kind of, <laughs> well, oh, it's, there's a lot of, there's all different stories um, yeah. that, that are out there, all of which I'm sure are more or less apocryphal, but, um, right. but lots, of, lots of good stories. But the reason you do it is really simple. It's because when you have the, when the fat can come up through the center, it mm. uh, fries the whole thing, it fries much faster. Oh. Uh, and so because it's frying from, it's not just frying from the outside, it's frying the inside as well. So it fries really fast, and you don't get any raw dough in the middle. It just it fries wow. more evenly. Okay, and then of course so, I love so that's donut why it, holes, <laughs> where you get all right. Because then you get the donut holes too, <laughs> and you know if you wanted, you can stack them on a stick, and you know go sell them e- easily that way. They're they're you know handy that way. But um, but yeah, but you can. But there's there's all kinds of donuts. I see. I made a, I made a list here. There's puchki, which are a Polish style donut. Uh, in in there's a Dutch donut called Olibolen. Um, Germany, there's uh, Thankuchen, there's uh, uh, Lukumatis, which is a Greek donut that's soaked in a honey syrup. Um, there's uh, Jalebis, which are Indian, which are also soaked in, uh, uh, soaked in, a, in a sugar syrup. Um, there's Alamat, which is from Lebanon, that's made with a yogurt base. So there's, there's oh. just donuts. Uh, you know, churros, obviously, in Spain and, and in Mexico. There's Bonuelos in Mexico. So there's, there's donuts. Uh, Italy, of course, is, you know, rolling in donuts. You know, fratelli and zeppole and bombolini and right. all kinds of... And then, of course, these, uh, in, especially in immigrant communities, people come over and they bring their donuts with them. Yeah. So, um, like, in Hawaii, the malasada, which is a, a sort of a beignet-type square donut, um, that is really popular, and it actually comes from Portuguese immigrants from the Azores. Um, oh. Who settled fishermen and and who settled in Hawaii and started? It was originally, I think, something that you made around um, around Mardi Gras, um, and then you know now it's become a, 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 you know, it's 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 sort of the Hawaiian donut, um, and it comes you know from directly from those communities. Wow! And so you have in this book, The World of Donuts, um, pictures and recipes from around mm-hmm, the world mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, and absolutely. So these so are some it, of the ones it, included, huh? And, and right, in, exactly. And in looking at the different recipes from around the world, do you see any variations? Like with um, instead of sugar, uh, one country uses you know a different type of sweetener. Oh, yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, uh, I believe it's pilloncello, which is a, a, a kind of a hard uh, raw sugar that is used a lot in in Mexico and South America, um, mm. and it's it's kind of a it's a it comes in these kind of a, almost like a pyramid shape, um, and it's very dark brown. It's like a very it's like a very intense uh, brown sugar um, that's used a lot in in South America and Mexico, and it's really flavorful. Um, so mm. you have to kind of grate it or chop it because it's not granulated. Um, so that shows up a lot in in um, in the Near East and, and around the Mediterranean. A lot of honey. Um, mm. Things are tend generally sweeter. Um, in Asia, they're donuts, but they're generally not as sweet, and they use uh, a lot oftentimes red bean paste or, or um, different different mung bean paste that's filled with it. It's not that use that as a filling, and that's usually not very sweet. Sometimes wow. there's sesame seeds on things, things like that. So they're they're lightly sweet, but they're not definitely much less sugary than and, than we would and we would I'm, have extra extra sugary around the Mediterranean, like you know Greece and in the you know Near East. Wow, that's a sweet tooth. <laughs> Same oh, in India, okay. really like turkey things like that. In India, really sweets are really sweet. 
And then wow. when you go up further into Asia, you know, China and Vietnam and Arizona and Thailand, uh, the sweets actually get less sweet. And and you mentioned, was it red, red bean or red beet filling? Red bean paste. Red bean red paste. Bean yeah. paste. Yeah. Oh, I did not yeah. realize and, red bean has a sweetness to it. Yeah, there's, it's used, they're usually used um, at, at Vicky beans, which are a, a very small uh, bean that is has a little bit of a slightly nutty sweetness to it. And you, it's sweetened, but it's... It's used a lot in Japanese sweets um, and in, in Asian sweets, and it's uh, it's you know sort of made. a lot of moon cakes are often filled with them. If you've uh-huh. ever been into Chinatown and gotten those moon cakes, um, they use that. And it's yeah, it's not very sweet, and it has a sort of a slightly like sticky, slightly glutinous texture. Uh-huh. Um, if if you grew up with it, it's it's completely common, and you're like, yeah, that's what you put in a, in a dessert if you're. If you're from a more Western background and you're not familiar with it, it can seem like, huh. Right. Well, in, I... my, in my donut, but, you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just what, it's what's culturally appropriate. You know, it's what you, what you know and grow up with. Exactly. And I grew up in Alabama, and we had a kind of moon pie, but I think it was a, a different oh, one. Oh, right. Chinatown. But it's oh, right. Yes, Chinese, Chinese moon cake. <laughs> moon Chinese cake. moon okay. cake. Oh, awesome. Right. Yeah, they're, they're flaky. It's a flaky kind of pastry. They're about two inches high. They're round. They usually have a, a, a uh, there's like an, in, um, they stamp the top so that it has a, a design on the top, and then usually they have uh, different different fillings of bean paste or uh, wow. different different flavorings, and they're they're used around the uh, around uh, full moon ceremonies, which usually happen in the autumn. Oh, okay, that does sound fascinating. Well, what a yeah. fun book you have, the world of donuts, and yeah. and I would love for us to kind of go through one um, recipe together, and and I love oh, how sure. yes, I love how this is about mastering the donut as a fun family experience, and I think um, it, it's so appropriate, of course, that um, I guess it's next week is Strawberry Shortcake, shortcake Day. day. I know, <laughs> how exciting, and and um, it, it's so wonderful. And I love strawberries, and I, I've been learning so much about strawberries, how they're low in calories, high in vitamin C. They reduce the risk of cancer and, and may even help improve memory. So during my uh, middle <laughs> age years, I'm, I'm definitely going to consume more strawberries. And it's so much fun. I understand um, Driscoll's has, has, um, is offering um, a coupon for purchasing strawberries if you create your own twist uh, on a strawberry shortcake. And, and you could just um, tagline, hashtag taste summer or tweeting right. at mm-hmm. Driscoll's Berry to get a coupon. So listeners, take right. advantage of that. And, and definitely, and you're, you're, oh, I cannot wait to discuss your, um, uh, your strawberry shortcake for uh, for for donuts and how yes. you kind of incorporate strawberry, a strawberry celebration into a donut. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I love strawberries. You know, of course, being out here in California, we grow a lot. And so um, it's also something that's a really fun family activity. If you have a, a strawberry, if you have a farm in your neighborhood, and they, uh, a lot of times people will do pick your own strawberries, and that could be really fun. It also makes you appreciate um, the hard work that the farm workers do for us yeah. in picking those strawberries. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard. But, uh, yeah, so I would say definitely go go take your family, you know, get your kids to know, like, that the 
the food doesn't just come from the supermarket; it comes from right. the ground. You know, go <laughs> go strawberry picking, or you know, go out to a farm stand and get get good strawberries. Or you know, yeah, Driscoll's berries are are great. Um, I especially like their organic berries. I think they're really high quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, the way I think you can tell good strawberries is they should smell great. Um, if uh-huh. if they smell like summer and they smell like berries, then they're going to taste they're going to taste good. Um, definitely. So yeah. So the the strawberry shortcake um, donut is a really fun donut. It's a basic yeast raised donut, the same kind of donut that you'd have as a glazed donut or you know a powdered sugar donut, those standard yeast yeast dough. And then I make it in a, just a round, no hole, and you mm-hmm. fry it. And then when it's cooled, you slice it to almost all the way in half. Um, almost like your, so it looks almost like a hamburger bun, and yeah. then you uh, put a layer of striped sliced strawberries that you've mixed just with a little bit of sugar, um, because that does putting a little bit of sugar in your strawberries helps draw some of the, the juice out, so they'll oh. get nice and juicy. Okay. So if you if you sprinkle your sliced berries with sugar, let them sit for five to ten minutes, you'll come back and you'll see that they're all kind of moist and they've got some the juice going there and all shiny and they look good. So you put a layer of sliced strawberries on the bottom of that, of the in the middle of the donut, and then either with a pastry bag or a spoon, um, you put in a layer of freshly whipped cream. Oh, um, and, yum. And then you sprinkle the whole thing with some powdered sugar, and they just, they really look great. Kids love them because it's a donut, you know, and you like yes. it because they've got strawberries in them, and you know, they're they're really they're really delicious um, and, a, and a lot of fun. And really, you can do the whole process with your kids. The only thing I wouldn't do is the actual frying, um, just yeah. because, you know, hot oil. Um, I would probably, right. you know, not necessarily, uh, but your kids can watch, just as long as that they're not, um, you know, I wouldn't let them do the frying, put it that way. Right. And um, but they can certainly they can certainly watch watch you do it. Right. And, and you know, is there a safe way to deep fry donuts? I mean, I can be a disaster in the kitchen. So what can you do to make okay, sure you don't so. get burned? <laughs> okay, yes, exactly. How not to get burned in the kitchen? Well, yes. people ask me all the time, do I need an electric deep fryer, you know, a machine that I plug in? And I, I think... You know, if you have one and you, you do enough frying that it's worth the space. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in an apartment. I have a small kitchen, so I actually don't have a lot. I, I never really get uh, gadgets like that because I never have a place to put them. So if you have one, great. You know, use it. It's convenient because you just set the temperature like you're setting the temperature on your oven, and it brings, you know, it brings the oil right up to that temperature. You don't have to worry about it. But if you don't, like most of us, what you want to use is all you really need is a good heavy pot. Do you have a cast iron Dutch oven? I do. Yeah. Well, yes. there, that's all you need because okay. it's deep enough. It's about usually it's about five or six inches deep, so that's great. What you want to do is fill it, and it's heavy, so it'll hold the heat, and it will be you'll get really even heat. Um, okay. The pan won't burn, you know, all that. So you want to use a basic vegetable oil. Canola oil is great. You know, safflower oil, just any kind of sort of general. Okay. You know, vegetable oil is good. The one thing you really do need that you might not have is a um, a deep fryer or a canning thermometer. And this is something that you can get. Any cookware store will have it, probably any any general kind of housewares type store, and probably for less than 10, 20 bucks, less than, you know, or, or okay. less. They're, they're not expensive. Um, because you really want to make sure you get the oil at the right, exact right temperature. If it's too cool, it'll take too long for your donuts to uh, fry, and they'll get really greasy and foggy. And if it's too hot, um, they'll burn real, they'll burn or they'll cook so fast that the outside gets cooked before the inside gets cooked. Okay. So you want to cook your donuts between about 365, 375 is sort of the magic 
the magic spot of donuts. But then that's really that's hot oil. So what you want to do is you want about two to three inches of oil in your pan, mm-hmm. and using the Dutch oven. Dutch oven means you have a few you have a few inches above that in the pan, so that you don't never want to have your your oil filled up to the very t- tippy top of the pan because you don't want to splash it. Okay. Um, then you, it generally takes probably take about ten to twelve minutes to get that, or or a little bit longer to get that oil up to temperature. So okay. you're going to have to turn it on, you know, probably about medium-high heat and be in the kitchen. Don't walk out of your kitchen while you're heating oil. Okay. <laughs> you know, so the main thing, the main thing is, to be, is to be calm and focused when you're frying. Uh, tie, if you have long hair, tie your hair back. Um, oh, don't yeah. be wearing your little skimp. Don't be wearing your flip-flops. That's a kitchen, it's a professional kitchen thing. Oh. You know, I, I always like to see people have their toes covered in the kitchen. <laughs> don't have, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, so you don't want to splash anything on your toes. You know, put on an apron. Um, have, have a, you know, you want to use a slotted spoon or something to lift your donut into your, into your oil so you're not dropping them in with your hands. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get any water near your, if you've just washed your hands, don't huh. go over and, and uh, because um, water it instantly turns to steam and it, it tends to it can make it spatter. Oh, okay. So yeah. your hands are all sticky. You're like, oh, I'm just going to wash my hands and I'm going to go over there and start putting my donuts in there. Ooh, no, wet oil, water, don't don't mix. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm making it sound like it's really scary, but it no. actually really isn't. <laughs> well, I'm already you know, the oil is just. You're going. <laughs> I'm never going to do this. Yeah, but oh, no. Good. But the, you just get your oil heated, and it just sits there. I mean, it's not like okay. it's going to be bubbling and roiling and boiling and snapping or anything. It's just going it to. It looks like, like it's water heating. Okay, it's not like popcorn popping out and any of that. No, no, nothing, okay. nothing like that. You, okay. as you're, when you just got your pot full of oil heating, it's just calmly heating. It'll look like you have a pot of water on the stove. It's no big okay. deal. And you, you put, you know, put your put your thermometer in there. Get it up to the temperature, and then when it's when you see that it's at the right temperature, you probably you know turn it down to sort of medium heat. So you just want to keep that temperature steady. Then you you have your donuts all all cut out, and that's cutting out is the part that your kids will probably love. The, the cutting out the donuts and shaping them is really fun. Yeah. So you know, take them with a with a spoon, drop them in. They'll generally take about one to two minutes per side, and when they look nice and brown, you know, they're they're cooked. And so you just flip them right. over with your spoon cook the other side and then take them out either onto a to drain a little either onto a a, a cookie sheet that you've covered with a couple layers of paper towel or a, a cooling rack right um and you know they they take about less probably about three minutes each to, to fry oh so and what really, is because it drops yeah. in and it pops up and it browns you're like wow i just made a donut Oh, that that is is just fascinating. I'm going to try to make a donut. And thank you for walking us all through the steps. And I will have my fire extinguisher close at hand, <laughs> just in right, case. You know, and if if all of a sudden the, your kids are like, oh my god, you know, my brother just hit me, whatever. If you have to go deal with something, turn your uh, you know turn the turn it off. Push right. it to the back of the stove and go deal with it. Don't exactly. don't leave your oil heating, frying while you go deal with whatever yeah. is the crisis of the moment. Yeah. That's the main thing is you just need to be calm and focused when you're frying. But the oh. actual frying part is goes really quickly. 
Right, right. Oh, this is going to, it, it really does sound fun. And I know you have some wonderful um, recipes from your book, World of Donuts. And, and what a fun mm-hmm. family adventure. You don't have to travel the world. Exactly. You can bring the world I into know. the kitchen. So that's going to be and fun. A, yeah. And a lot of the cake donut recipes are, are it's just as simple as like making a muffin batter or close to a cookie batter. And then you, you know, roll it out, you cut it, you fry it. So it's something you could totally do with your kids, and it's really it's really fun. And I, I guarantee they'll be totally impressed that you can make it. Right, right. <laughs> oh, this just sounds like such an adventure, and I so appreciate your sharing this. And, and listeners, I encourage you to connect with Stephanie Rosenbaum, who is the author of World of Donuts, which has just come out. And um, she is on Twitter on Twitter, rather, so S.J. Rosenbaum. Also, you can go to eggandartpress.com uh, for any latest updates and, and uh, to, to get linked in to her world of donuts. And I, I'm just so appreciative that we are celebrating National Donut Day <laughs> together. And thank you so much, Stephanie, for, for being thank here. Thank you, Margaret. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Well, listeners, I am so excited to introduce you to our second guest on today's show where we're celebrating women and food. And I can't wait for you to meet Heather Christo. She is being highly acclaimed as the new Martha Stewart. She is Cordon Bleu trained, a celebrity chef, an author, has been on many of your favorite shows, Good Morning America, GMA Help, Access Hollywood, and the list goes on and on and on family circle and style house beautiful so so accomplished there and she's also being deemed as a domestic goddess for a new generation and heather has a new book out called heather christo's generous table sharing the love of food with family and friends heather welcome to kitchen chat Thank you so much. That was quite an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, you have quite the the bio. I mean, I'm just so impressed. And, and you do all of this with having young children at home. <laughs> yes, two little girls, three and five. Well, and it's really um, kind of become my inspiration for going out and feel the need to talk to so many women because I get it. Life is really hard and complicated and there's a lot of um, expectations, I think, for women right now. And so I'm just trying to provide other women with some tips and tools to make, um, you know, like being a domestic goddess a little bit easier, <laughs> right? There's all that tiny part of us that want that want to achieve that, so... Exactly. And I, that's only in my dreams. I'm so domestically challenged, but you give a lot of encouragement and great tips in your book for those who might be challenged, such as myself with this. And I love how you organize it in the four different sections by season and just the variety of, of celebrations from casual to elaborate and, and even from a Greek Easter afternoon feast to a tea party shower in spring and oh it's just so much fun yeah I I find the eating I'm I'm hoping that everybody tries to think about eating seasonally because um you know it really makes produce the the center star and if you are eating it in season it tastes better it's 
um, better priced, like it's fresher and more nutritious. So I really tried, I always think about my recipes, you know, what's appropriate for that season and how can we highlight the best of that season? So it only seemed fitting to, to create the book that way too. And, and that is so helpful. And, and we are in the middle of the season of strawberries and we're celebrating last month was national strawberry month. And then on the 14th, it's national strawberry shortcake day. Um, in, uh, in, uh, celebration of strawberries. Do you have any favorite recipes that you like to prepare with strawberries? I mean, I've got everything. I, my grandmother, um, the whole time I was growing up, made like the most incredible fruit crisp. And I actually put it in my book, um, Made with Apples. But I love it with strawberries or strawberries and rhubarb at this time of year. Um, and then I have I have actually a naughty strawberry glazed donut that's on my blog. <laughs> oh. It's been a favorite for years. So I, I mean, really, and a strawberry rhubarb margarita. I'll take strawberries any way I can get them. They're great. Oh, that does sound great. And I love your blogs. And, and listeners, I, I encourage you, yes, listeners, to um, go to heatherchristo.com. I will have a link on um the the kitchen chat site so you can connect with heather via social media and and subscribe to her delicious blogs and and uh it's just so much fun i enjoy just seeing what you're posting and and how you're preparing and and just how you bring people into your kitchen and 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 you really truly through this book are trying to share the love of good food with friends and family and is there any like one tip that that listeners could take away uh, from your book besides the wonderful recipes, which we will briefly t- t- touch upon? But but what what is your greatest advice for someone to to really celebrate um, the love of good food with friends and family? I mean, I just think that. In my experience, like I have formed the deepest connections and bonds with family members through shared time. And we usually are able to actually sit down and share that time over a meal. So I always, that, that's where the name of the book, The Generous Table, came from. It's about sitting down at the table with your friends, with your family. And then um, when I say sharing or generous, you know, those are terms I use. And they're kind of synonyms for love for me. So just really thinking about those people and and you can taste it in the food. So taking the time and it doesn't have to be elaborate and it doesn't have to be a lot of time, but just kind of that quality of care and the quality of thought that goes into making something to nourish your family or your friends. Right. And, And then the pairings that you put with ingredients, things I would never think about as part of the, the nourishing and, and, and delicious, um, unique twists. For example, chocolate beet cake. What an <laughs> interesting combination. I, I swear, because I have like a sister that loathes beets. And lots of other people who are like, I don't eat beets. I'm sure not going to eat them in a cake. You will <laughs> never know that they are there. And it makes literally the best chocolate cake I've ever had. It, it Something about the earthiness of those beets cr- like boosts the chocolate flavor to out-of-this-world proportions, and it's so moist. And I also really love the idea of baking with beets. 
not just like hiding them in, you know, cooked dishes, but like baking with them or baking with zucchini and some lemon zucchini cupcakes I have. I don't have um, a great like vegetable eater for a husband or for children. So Mm -hmm. I'm big on sneaking stuff in. Oh, that does sound good. And then outside of the vegetarian mix, you have macaroni and cheese with pumpkin and bacon. Yes. Wow. How did you come up with this? (laughs) I, you know, similar to the cake, I'm just always trying to look for new ways to make classic comfort dishes kind of new again and more exciting and maybe um, adding in fresh seasonal ingredients again. So I don't, I mean, who doesn't like macaroni and cheese and I love pumpkin and I love bacon. So I just thought it would make an incredible baked dish. And I like to bake that in the pumpkin. So you can kind of scoop the pumpkin up with it, like the inside of the pumpkin and it makes for a gorgeous presentation in the fall. And, you know, and, and uh, so much of it is with the presentation. And I have to say, I did a little Heather Christo at my daughter's graduation <laughs> uh, celebration. Oh. I saw one of your online videos where you prepared that delicious raspberry tea and lemonade and served them in um, the, the mason jars. And yes. It's easy, right? Yes, and it was a huge hit. Oh, it was just so special. I'm so glad. So that is what I strive for, like like little aesthetic tricks that are very easy for you to do, That like a lot of bang for your buck, right? Big pop of of domestic goddess for somebody (laughs) who doesn't, like, have a lot of time to put into something like that. It was easy. Yes. Those things are really fun. I love it. Oh, and I can use the the mason jars again for a different a different event. So it's recycling yes. and sustainability and and all of that. It's a win win. It is. I love that a win win in the kitchen for sure. And I can't Good. wait for the listeners to uh, connect with you and your book. And actually, listeners, for those of you who are in the Chicago land, Heather Krista is actually going to be at an event with Chicago Gourmets and Blackbird, that fabulous restaurant. Um, it's called A Generous Table at Black at Blackbird Celebrity Chef Duo Dinner One Night Only on June 12th. And you can um, go to chicagogourmets.com to, to get your tickets. But I, I'm so excited because you're going to be uh, providing things, dishes from your book as created by David Posey. And some of those things on the menu let's let's chat briefly about that oh, um, first of all, it's so crazy that David Posey wants to cook any of my food <laughs> like I can't believe it I'm totally humbled oh he's amazing Yes, he is. But oh, and this will be a fun, fabulous event at Blackbird. And um, the menu, I got an advanced copy of it. I'm so excited. It's with your lamb meatballs skewered with fried green tomatoes. What a fun combination there. And how did you come up with that combination? What influenced you? So, you know what, he came up with, he took the recipes from my book and came up with that combination. So those come from um, different chapters. 
So those wow. are um, Liam meatballs that come from the Greek Easter. I'm married to a Greek man, so I have a bunch oh. of Greek recipes up my sleeve. And the fried green tomatoes were influenced by my sister-in-law, who comes from Asheville, North Carolina. So that's kind of fun for me to see. Wow. And then um, he also paired it, I think, with the savory scones that I have in another part of the book. So he really went through and selected some recipes that spoke to him, which is exciting for me, for sure. Oh, yes. And then this looks so beautiful. The soup duet, Heather's Fresh Artichoke Soup with David's Fresh Pea Soup set garnished with creme fraiche. Wow. Beautiful. (laughs) Right. Yes. And then the second course, the fish duet, Heather's Halibut, and I don't know how to say this, pop. And, and poppy oat. Yep. Okay. Just in parchment. It's just in parchment paper. Oh, that's a fancy way for saying it's wrapped yeah. in parchment. Okay. <laughs> no. And then serve with his seasonal accompaniments. And then the dessert. Oh, the your your lemon zucchini cupcakes. Yes. Wow. I'm really excited about this. And I believe they're doing a wine pairing with each course as well. Yes. So, oh, yes. Any foodies out there or anyone who just wants a chance to to meet Heather in person, uh, definitely go to Chicago Gourmets. I'll have a link to that as well, but it's going to be next Wednesday, uh, June 12th in Chicago at Blackbird in the 619 West Randolph. And will you be there signing your books, Heather? Absolutely. And I'm so excited for it. Oh, this, this is just so exciting. I'm so glad that you put this book together and that you're going to be in Chicago sharing the recipes actually from the book. That's exciting. The recipes come alive from the book with <laughs> with that. But I, I still want to try this chocolate beet cake. Um, Go I, for I, it. Definitely. Now, but in working with beets, because um, you can kind of get the redness all over you, is there a trick to kind of not coming away with red fingerprints forever from the beets? Um, if you know them, <laughs> tell me. I think I, I usually try to work with them under running water. It reduces the problems. But I think if you want to avoid them altogether, you're going to have to put gloves on. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's the only way that I know of anyway. Oh, because you leave delicious fingerprints along uh, yeah. the yeah. counter. Right. Oh. Now, are you on a scheduled um, tour with your book? With your book, are, are there other um, cities that you might be visiting? Uh, to I promote? am. I am. I'm just finishing up in Texas right now, and then I head to Chicago, which is exciting, um, where I'll be doing events on Tuesday the 11th and Wednesday the 12th, and then I am heading to Minneapolis. So I'm going to be doing events on Thursday and Friday um, at Byerly's and at Cooks of Crocus Hill, and then I'm back to the Northwest for events in California later this summer. Wonderful. It's been been a busy time. Oh, so you are 
traveling quite a bit. <laughs> I am. But, I that's, am. but that's so exciting. And and I that's right, I forgot to mention that you'll be at another event here in Chicago too on the eleventh as well. So I'll make sure that I um put a link to that. So Oh yeah, uh, to Marcel's culinary experience where I'm gonna be yeah. doing um a public signing and a summer cocktail demo from three to five in Glen Ellen. Oh, that will be so much fun. So I'll make sure I yes. put a link to that. And that that's a free event, I understand, open to the yes, public. Yes, it is. Wonderful. Absolutely. So to give the, the listeners some options there of two wonderful uh, culinary treats to, to, to visit and meet with Heather while she is in the Chicago area. And I'll also provide a link to Heather's website so you can possibly catch her while she's in your town promoting the book. But... Oh, Heather, thank you. I know you've got such thank a busy you. schedule. You're <laughs> down oh, my gosh. Oh. No, I was so happy to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is great. And thank you for sharing the love of food with family and friends through your new book, Generous Table. And, and any fun um, final takeaway advice or encouragement for, for listeners for an easy summer treat? An easy summer treat. I mean, honestly, my blog is full of them. I've got right. new recipes out three to five days a week. So just wow. stop on by and I have step-by-step photo instructions. And yeah, I, I'm constantly thinking of new ways to try to make your summer eating easier and better. Oh, that sounds great. You've already made mine easier with the mason jars. So thank you for that. (laughs) For that great tip. Oh, and thank you so much again, Heather, for being here on Kitchen Chat. I encourage listeners to check out your website. And listeners, during the these days days of summer, I just hope that that you'll take a minute, get your mason jar out and fill it with with lemonade or, or the raspberry tea and take the time to savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pearl Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you, so join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.